Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Rundgren Radio, where we bring you a little temporary sanity in this crazy world. Tonight, we got a special edition. This is the first of the album series, Todd Rundgren's albums. This is the solo album, Runt, his very first album. We'll be reviewing that tonight. We're going to find out some things you may not know about this album. What was it like back in the day in 1970 when this was recorded, in 1971 when it was released? What was going on back then? Did they do any touring? Was it a band or not? What does the term runt mean? We're going to try to get some answers to that. We're going to be talking to lots of people that were there, and this is going to be a really special show. So what we're going to do, instead of doing announcements first, we're going to go ahead and run through the show and the review, and then after the review is over, it's going to take about an hour. We will be taking phone calls if you'd like to call in and talk about runt, or if you're listening and we're there and I was inaccurate on something or somebody else was, feel free to call in. And also... We will be going over the announcements. We have a few. So stick around. Chat room is open. Here we go with the review of Runt. This is, of course, Todd's first solo album. He had already been with three bands before. Money back in 1965, Woody's Stop in 66, and then, of course, Naz in 1967. And then when Todd left Naz, he did some work such as putting up lights and things at shows and then got into production where he was very successful working for Albert Grossman and that gave him an opportunity to have some studio time to record a solo album, which he, of course, did, and it was pretty successful with a top 20 hit known as We Gotta Get You a Woman, which we'll also be talking about. In case you didn't know, Todd wrote all the material, handled the production and arrangements on this album, played most of the instruments, and thanks to the magic of multi-tracking, he provided the voices as well. A lot of characters were involved in this. You may know of Hunt and Tony Sells, Moogie Klingman. We'll be hearing from them tonight find out what it was like back then. So let's just get started with this. Let's talk about a couple basic facts, and then we're going to get into the meat of the subject. All right, so this was produced, or I'm sorry, it was recorded in Los Angeles at ID Sound and engineered by Jim Lowe. It was also recorded in New York some at the record plant and engineered by Jack Adams. So this is a solo album that involves several different people that Todd played with. It wasn't the same bass player wasn't the same drummer. They mixed it up a lot. So if you want to find out more about that, of course, you can do that in the liner notes. I want to get in some things that hopefully you do not know. And we're going to break down each song first. Then we're going to look at some things about what it was like working with Todd, what recording was like, what about these extra cuts you may have heard about on the Run album. Was it a band? Was it not? All those good things we're going to get into. Let's start first with the songs, of course, the most important thing. The very first song on the CD is called Broke Down and Busted. We're going to find out a little bit about that because what we know is, according to the liner notes, is that Todd believes that that song sounded a lot like a Fleetwood Mac song called Rattlesnake Shake. According to Todd, Hunt and Tony copied that a little bit, so let's see if they agree with that statement. Todd had basically said something about that it was you guys, you and your brother, copying Rattlesnake Shake by Fleetwood Mac. Do you agree with that? What's the story behind that? We may have been... Um... You know, the, 
that was happening at the time when we did that record. Just like, um, you know, whatever's happening now, people tend to borrow or steal or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, grooves or whatever. So thank God Kelly Clarkson wasn't happening at the time. I, not that we would have stole from her. There you go. That was Hunt Sales. Here's a little bit of Broke Down and Busted. Next up is We Gotta Get You a Woman, which we'll be talking about for a while here because it was the first top 20 hit for Todd Rudgren. That was in November of 1970. This song has got a lot of history. One thing is that it was about Paul Fishkin, who was Todd's roommate at the time and also worked at the record company. Paul Fishkin's Bad Luck with the Fair Sex. There was a little bit of a controversy behind this song, We Gotta Get You a Woman. A lot of people felt like, including fans like myself for a long time, always assumed that the part where he says, talking about things about that special one they may be stupid but they sure are fun that he was referring to women you know just in a kidding way but ultimately todd has been interviewed and has said that the phrase was actually supposed to match things and not women uh, that part of the verse so the controversy died down eventually but there was a little bit of stuff going on back then that i thought you might like to know about so let's listen to a little bit of that song and then we're going to listen to some of the guys that were there talking about it here we go Your post-hanging days were through Sunken 
friend You say how and I'll say when Come and meet me down the street Take a seat Alright, here's what Hunt Sells had to say about the Fishkin story behind We Gotta Get You a Woman. Okay, how involved was Paul Fishkin with the recording of the album? He wasn't involved at all. Did you get a laugh out of We Gotta Get You a Woman since it was supposed to be about him and his yeah. women? Paul and Todd were living together at the time in uh, New York, or eventually they were living together. We used to hang out quite a bit, Paul. Yeah, you know, like any good writer, you just look around you and there's a lot of good material around. All right, that was Hunt Sells. Here's his brother, Tony Sells. He's very proud of that song. Uh, I think uh, we got to get you a woman. Because it went on to be such a long-running uh, tune. It's uh, sort of a standard song. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've heard it, what, for what, 25 years or something? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, it always brings me joy to hear that on, on the radio because it brings back memories of... My being in the studio with my brother and Todd, you know, so it's uh, it's a, it's a good uh, good vibe on that. Of course, Tony was a bass player for part of this album, and Hunt played drums. In case you didn't know, these are the Sells brothers, the sons of comedian Soupy Sells. You may have heard of. Here's another comment from Hunt about "We Got to Get You a Woman." You mentioned "We Got to Get You a Woman." It still sounds good today. It's a great song. There you go. Hunt sales. We've heard from Hunt and Tony. We'll hear more from them later on. Let's see what the man, Todd Rubin himself, has to say about We Gotta Get You a Woman and the Paul Fishing Connection. This is from an interview that was taken or done on the radio in Minnesota on public radio last December, 07, before Todd played over there for a concert. It was actually a song that I wrote about Paul Fishkin, the aforementioned huh. Paul Fishkin. When I moved to New York, um, I got a loft down on 13th Street, and if you've ever seen the movie Taxi Driver, that's the doorway where um, Robert De Niro confronts Harvey Keitel <laughs> over the, and shoots him in the hand, I think, or something. But um, that's where I live, and it was really like that, <laughs> gunshots and screaming every night. But um, Paul still lived in Philadelphia at the time, you know, and I needed a roommate, I said, and he wanted to get more seriously into the music business and so we became roommates and both of us were relatively new to New York so we would go and hang around St. Mark's Place and stuff like that and look at girls we were both pretty young at the time and I uh, just wrote the, wrote the song essentially about him and I hanging around in, on the Lower East Side looking looking for a woman yeah just two lonely bachelors and uh like I say, it was a total fluke. I didn't expect it to be a hit. The next song on the, the album was Who's That Man? Let's hear it.
right, that's who's that man on run. As you heard earlier, broke down and busted. Todd felt like that was a song that Tony and Hunt took a little bit from Fleetwood Mac. Well, according to Hunt, here is a song. In Hunt's opinion, somebody else took advantage of that. Let's see who that is. There's the beginning of one of the songs that sounds, I mean, it's probably closer to Little Richard or something, but there's a song called Who's That Man? And there's a drum intro. And it's not much different than what Led Zeppelin did a little while longer with uh, with one of their songs, Rock and Roll. Okay, all right. Which came after Runt. There you go. Not bad if that's in fact true. Love that imitation, the most sincere form of flattery. All right, so we move on to Once Burned, which is a kind of a, uh, they call it in the liner notes, a creepy song. At this point, the band... Bassist Rick Danko and drummer LeVon Helm were on this particular song. Todd recorded his voice at a slower speed than the instruments, and that was not the result of electronic treatment. It was just Rugrin, as he says, farting around with different ways of singing. Aping singers, I thought I had a curious style. All right, so let's hear a little bit of Once Burned. up on the album is Devil's Bite. Apparently had an atmosphere of drug-induced paranoia, but according to Todd, he was clean as a whistle. So here we go. Let's see what you think about Devil's Bite. Here's a clip.
All right, next up is a popular song called I'm in the Click. Moogie Klingman, later of Utopia, one of the rounds of Utopia, uh, was on electric piano for this song. It's kind of got a Zappa-type feel to it, and it was intended as a swipe at Greenwich Village's designers and seamsters. Pretty good stuff. And let's see what Moogie had to say about the, the putting that song together. I'm in the collection with Bob Moses on drums. I think I helped contract him because I was a big Keith Jarrett fan. And I got him down. And I got the bass player down, too. See, I did contract Johnny Miller on bass. I was on uh, keyboard, Todd on guitar. And uh, Todd was going to a lot of clubs in New York City. And there were a lot of clickish policies at the clubs. And I think that's what the song was about. He was in Texas, Kansas City. He a lot of different scenes. Did Todd just come up with this song and say, this is what I want you to do with it? How much involvement did you have in the actual, you know? Yeah, he came up with the song, and he really couldn't tell the jazz drummer, Bob Moses, what to do. He was a very free drummer. And Todd had all the lines worked out, and it was called I'm in the Click, and he didn't have the words. He would never sing the songs when he recorded them. He was just having the music, and he would tell you the title, and you would have to imagine what the words would be and how they fit with the music. Except on live sessions, like the Hello, It's Me, where he would sing and play live. So it was Bob Moses, I was on keyboard, Johnny Miller, very famous New York studio bass player on bass, and Todd on guitar. And, and it, it was just great to play with Bob Moses because he was Keith Jarrett's drummer at the time, who was my absolute keyboard idol, jazz drummer. That's the whole story, man. I think we did it a record plant. Next up, this one is a triple medley. Features Baby Let's Swing, The Last Thing You Said, and Don't Tie My Hands. 
which we'll find out more about Baby Let's Swing a little later on and what significance it had in another version of this album. But if you don't know, the first song, which is Baby Let's Swing, paid homage to Laura Nero, who was a big influence on Tide, and you'll notice her name mentioned several times in this song. Todd thought for a couple of years he had an infatuation with her, but admits they he thought it might work, but um, or they might have some kind of an ongoing relationship or be friends, but none of that actually happened. Basically, the two of them were different people with two different dynamics, but they also had a lot of respect for each other, and Todd ended up working with him as a production assistant on her album Mother Spiritual from 1984. So let's listen to those three songs, a little clip from all of them. Here we go. For those of you familiar with the song, Baby Let's Swing, you will know that there is some screaming going on at the first part of that song, and we wanted to get to the bottom of that, and I was able to do that thanks to Tony Sells. Do you know who the person was that was screaming at the start of the song, Baby Let's Swing? 
Uh, it was my brother, Hunt Sales. How did that come about? Do you remember much about it? Well, it's uh, just a Hunt's a big uh, James Brown fan, and he was doing the, his James Brown imitation in the studio, which he does sometimes. You know, he was just goofing around. I mean, it was all it was always pretty light with Todd as well. We, the three of us, uh, Todd, myself, and my brother Hunt, used to goof around quite a bit and knock around New York City and uh, and Los Angeles when Todd came out here. So we were just having fun, and we started playing it, and he started doing that uh, sort of uh, doo-wop beginning to it, you know. I mean, it had that sort of doo-wop sound to it, you know. Right. And uh, so Hunter started, and uh, we all broke up at times. So, yeah, let's, let's leave that in. Okay, so it was unplanned. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it was unplanned, yeah. It's funny. I mean, some of the best stuff is always unplanned, isn't it? All right, there was a scream for you, or screams, from Mr. Hunt Sale. Tony had a little bit also to say about the song, Don't Tie My Hand. I did. I did. I also played guitar on uh, uh, Don't Tie My Hands, the lead part at the end of that. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And, um, and uh, but, you know, I was on Todd's guitar playing. So. There we go, Tony Sale talking about Don't Tie My Hands. The next song up and the final song on the real runt, we'll find out more why I'm calling it the real runt in a little while, was nine minutes plus. It's called Birthday Carol. Todd and Naz, all three of their albums had climax with long songs, so pretty much Todd felt like every album was in that way when he was thinking about doing this and was, according to him, was sublim subliminally <laughs> still thinking every album must end with a day in the life. So let's hear a little bit of Birthday Carol. Includes the songs from The Real Runt. There was also an early rejected test pressing of Runt. According to the liner notes, there are approximately 5,000 of these in circulation, but the real number may be 500, which we're going to hear about here in a minute. It had a different running order and featured a full-length version of Baby Let's Swing with two extra verses, omitting the other two elements of the medley that we heard earlier. This alternative run also included an early version of Hope I'm Around, which, as you know, maybe, that, that ended up on the ballad of Todd Rundgren, which was his second LP. And it also had an eerily sparse ballad called Say No More, 
which was left off the final version of the album, which Todd said was a real tough decision. Here's a great Todd Rundgren clip. This is the interview from Minnesota. This is Todd explaining what happened, why there was an extra version of the Run album. Um, some people were fortunate, uh, I guess especially if you're a collector, to get um, a version of the record that was accidentally pressed and released uh, and was not act- not really the official version. The consensus was, after the record had been mastered the first time, that um, one side of the record was, was too long and wouldn't sound as good, you know, because in the old days, the length of the record had a direct impact on the quality of the sound on the disc, which is one of the reasons why I don't buy totally into this whole LPs are warmer myth. You know, LPs also skip, <laughs> you know, things like that. And so um, we went back and trimmed out um, a few things to make the second side of the album shorter, and that was the actual official album. So let's talk a little bit before I want to play Say No More for you about this early press rejection. There was a fan named Mark Nathan who purchased one of these and had an issue with it and sent a letter to Todd. Let's find out about that story. I was just a kid in uh, in a part of New York City called Forest Hills, Queens. I was a fan of Naz, and um, the Runt album came out. And I went to a local record store. Actually, it was a department store called Alexander's. And uh, purchased the album. And um, as Todd fans know, and uh, as you probably know, there were uh, six songs on the label on the A side, and there were four songs, which included the three-song medley, on the B side, and that was how the label copy read, and that was how the inner sleeve read, and uh, the the back of the album jacket. But yet, my album had seven tracks on side A and five tracks on side B. So, um, you know, I was kind of interested, and Ampex Records was at 555 Madison Avenue in Manhattan. So I wrote a fan letter, and uh, I addressed it to Todd Rundgren and sent it to Ampex Records, and I asked about the uh, version of the record that I had purchased. And uh, I guess about three weeks or so uh, passed, and I came home from school. I was a uh, I was attending Forest Hills High School at the time, and uh, my mom said, you got a package in the mail. And it was from Ampex Records, and it was another copy of the Runt album. And there was a handwritten note from a fellow named Paul E. Fishkin, Eastern Promotional Representative, Ampex Records. Now, of course, I later found out that Paul was not only the promotion person covering the East Coast for Ampex Records, but he was also uh, Todd's roommate. They shared an apartment down on... Uh, East 13th Street in uh, New York City, and uh, he was also Leroy Boy and We Gotta Get You a Woman. So um, basically the note, and uh, I'd like to believe that I still have it somewhere, but it is 37, 38 years ago, 
the note told me that uh, the version of the album that I had purchased was from a rejected master. And, of course, at age 15, I'm not particularly sure I knew what rejected master meant, but uh, he said that it was a collectible, that only 500 of them had uh, been pressed, and that he was sending me a copy of the album as it was intended, and to put the other one away, and to keep spreading the good word about Todd. So um, I was thrilled. I got a new copy of the record. This time the uh, track listing matched the label copy and the, the back jacket and the inner sleeve. And I did put the other one away. And uh, a few weeks later, I took a, a subway trip into Manhattan and went up to 555 Madison Avenue looking for Paul E. Fishkin, Eastern Regional Promotion Representative for Ampex Records. And he wasn't in that day, but um, there were a couple of guys that worked at the label that were there, and they talked to me. And then I came back the next day, and uh, Paul still wasn't there, but that particular day they needed someone to packed some albums into some record uh, envelopes. And then the next day I showed up and I typed up some mailing labels and took the records that I had packed to a post office on 53rd Street. And uh, by the fourth day, I guess they realized that they weren't going to get rid of me. <laughs> so they uh, gave me a list of radio stations with the phone numbers and the names of the program directors and music directors. And at age 16, I became Mark from Ampex Records, uh, at that point about the youngest promotion person in the record business. And um, I, uh, 37, 38 years later, what is it now? I guess it's 37 years later. I'm still in the record business. And it was all because uh, Paul Fishkin answered a fan letter that I wrote to Todd Rundgren about a uh, rejected master of the Runt album. <laughs> a great story. Now, That's my story. Notes, the liner notes said there were 5,000 of these made. Is it 500 or 5,000? Well, I heard 500. I mean, I was always led to believe it really had to be 500. It couldn't have been 5,000 because in those days, uh, I was I was eventually privy to actual record sales, and uh, there's no way. I, I, I can't necessarily remember the exact sales figures of the Runt album, but, you know, they were they were less than 100,000 at the time. And uh, that was a very, very rare pressing of that record. And I, I, don't, I don't believe there were more than 500. All right, that's Mark Nathan. What a great story. Here's the full version of Say No More. This was never available on CD. So this is a burn from an album, so forgive me for the not-so-perfect sound, but it's good enough. It's a great song, too, by the way. Here it goes.
All right, that is Say No More from the extra press or incorrect press of Runt. So now you've heard it. If you didn't hear it on the bootleg show we did a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so let's move into the recording of this album and how some of the people got involved with it, how they met Todd, what it was like recording this album. We'll start with Hunt Sales. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he met Todd. My brother and I were living in Los Angeles. Prior to Los Angeles, we were living in New York, and that's where I met Todd. Met him at a club called Steve Paul Scene, mm-hmm. and it was a club where in New York off of 8th Avenue, and, you know, you'd see Led Zeppelin would be there, and Jeff Beck and Janice Joplin and Hendrix, everyone would be hanging out, and I was down there hanging out, and Todd was down there, and we ended up jamming, and uh, my brother, and that's why I met him. So how were you and your brother? He was 17, I think, at the time. How were y'all getting this boy? I was 15. Uh-huh. I don't know, I was, you know, been gigging, I've been playing since I was six, mm-hmm. and I went professional at 11, and was signed to Roulette Records, Morris Levy, who ran that, and recording from, you know, from the age of 11, so, wow. but by the time I hooked up with Todd, I would had some experience, so I've been doing it for a while, you know, playing gigs at that age, and recording, and that Todd in New York, and then we back out to L.A., he came out and stayed with us. All right, here is how Tony Sells met Todd, and then that's going to be followed by N.D. Smart, who is also involved, Norman Smart, you may know, who is also involved with this album. Well, the way we met Todd was uh, we had a friend uh, named Andrew Jansen who worked with, he was a clothier, he, or he was in the garment industry, he worked with a place called Stone the Crows from England. It was a shop uh, on, uh, I forget the area there. Carnaby Street or something, and and anyway, in in those years, this was like 68, 67 or something, um, you know, they had the patchwork boots and the snakeskin boots and the velvet pants and all that stuff that was just coming out at that point, uh, that kind of fashion, and uh, Andy was into all that stuff, so, uh, and as as was Todd, and, uh, and the sales brothers, so we were all hanging out and, and, and doing that stuff. And Andy called us uh, one night, just before we knew Todd. He says, listen, uh, I'm going down to this club called Steve Paul's Scene. Uh, my friend Todd is coming tonight. I want you guys to meet him. He said, there's going to be a jam session there. Uh, and we, we thought, yeah, great, wonderful, you know. And I mean, at the time, I think we were like, uh, Hunt was uh, 15 and I was 16. You know, obviously we had school, but we didn't care. So we went down to jam with, gone down to the club to jam with Todd, and this club was owned by Steve Paul. It was it was really a, a really really wild place. I mean, the night that we uh, we got there, Van Morrison was there, Hendrix was there, Janis Joplin was there. Uh, I think a couple of guys from Led Zeppelin. I mean, it was like that kind of place. It's, everybody was there. I mean, it was like um, so we. We got up with Todd and started playing, and it was great. It was great. We all we all were fans of Cream as well, so we were jamming along those uh, in, improvisational lines, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it worked. It just worked. We were having fun. So after we, uh, we got up with him, we, we hung out for a little bit, and then uh, 
a girl named Sharice, who was a friend of uh, Hunt's, uh, took us over to uh, Electric Ladyland Studio to one of Jimmy's sessions. So the Sales Brothers were at one of Hendrix's sessions for House Burning Down on the Electric Ladyland album. It was funny, I looked over and, and Hunt was sitting there having drinks with Hendrix. Hendrix, Hendrix had this uh, like six-inch uh, plank of wood with like five shots of tequila on it. And he said, yeah, give the boy a, a Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was really funny, and so we went over to the sessions, and and then after that, so then a couple of months or a month later, maybe it was, we uh, Hunt and I moved back to Los Angeles. We were living in New York. We came back to Los Angeles, and we got a call from Todd, and he said, "Listen, I'm going to come out there to do my uh, album. Would you guys like to do the album with me?" And we said, "Yeah, let's go. Let's do it." So we uh, and that was the Run album. We recorded it at a uh, studio here called, at the time, I.D. Sound. It was an initial for a guy, uh, Ivan, Ivan David or something. hit Sound. And uh, on La Brea, I guess uh, the Beach Boys had recorded at this studio, a bunch of different good acts. It was, it was a wonderful place. It was an old, older design place with tile floors. And uh, it was, you don't see the kind of equipment that they had there anymore. It's all changed, you know. All right, Norman Smart's up next, Indy Smart, who is not credited anywhere I can find on the Runt um, notes here from the re-release that Castle Music did in 1999, the liner notes. He is nowhere to be found. He's definitely on the ballad of Todd Rundgren, and if you listen to what he's saying here, he clearly was also involved with Runt. Here's Norman Smart. Yeah, he was producing an album with uh, Ian and Sylvia. It's called, it was a band that's called The Great Speckled Bird, and I was in that band. And he had Albert Grossman as a manager, and Albert Grossman also managed Ian and Sylvia. So he fixed it up for him to produce the band as well, because Todd was getting known as a producer. So at any rate, we, uh, we started hanging out together during the lunch breaks, and then after about a week, we just started recording when everybody else was gone, just the two of us. I'd play drums and sing, and he'd sing and play everything else, mostly piano and guitar. And we cut about half an album's worth of stuff just on the lunch break. And we just, you know, started messing around. and We were just doing it for fun. And he had already started the rump thing because he had already recorded uh, we got to Get You a Woman. And he had to put on an album behind it. So he's just part of the stuff that we did there. These several songs you did there in Lunch Breaks. Were those part of the run album? Is that what you're saying? I, th- I think that's what they ended up being, yeah. Okay. So that's, so then, and then he just decided to bring in different people, I guess, for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, but then after, after that, I was pretty much his exclusive drummer for a number of years. Right. After that, you know, I was I was too busy to work with him all the time. You know, then after that, you know, we got to hanging out more. And I did a number of records with him. Mostly Todd was always the captain of everything. He basically would tell everybody, by and large, what to play. Your idea of Runt was that that's just the name of album. It was never a band. No. Well, uh... It was uh, he and Hunt and Tony Sales 
were going to make it a band. They, they started out to do it, but something happened where it just didn't work out right, and I don't know what it was, but there was a falling out there somehow. They could probably tell you more about it than I could. Okay. But they start, they had a whole concept for it and everything, and then somehow it fell apart. All right, we're going to learn more about that in a little while. Before then, let's keep talking about the recording. I'm going to let you hear some clips. This is Tony Sells first, Hunt Sells second, and then Tony Sells third again. So here we go. This is all about recording the album run. When we did the sessions, they were we we went uh, pretty fast on this. I mean, it wasn't we didn't spend any time on on this recording as as Hunt and I never do. I, I don't. It's always surprising me when I, I meet guys say, oh, yeah, you know, we took about five months to do this record. And I go, why? You know, <laughs> well, how, how, many, how many takes can you do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, how, how much can you lay on the floor? How long can you lay on the floor? What is that, you know? So we did the run album in just a couple of weeks. Did Todd lay out everything in the demos and plot it all? What there were no there? demos. There were no demos? We would go in the studio, here's the song, and play the chords, fool around with it come up with an arrangement, and then record it. So was there room for input from other people like yourself? Yeah. You know, we put our parts on there uh, within the structure of what he's trying to do. See, I had had experience doing some sessions and playing. So, I mean, not as much as I have now, but I still, you know, I've been playing for a while, and we went in there like a session that we'd been jamming before then, you know, just... Uh, playing and, and getting to know each other in, in that context. So, and like I said, he was he was staying with us at our house when he was putting the record together. So there was, you know, there was some kind of uh, connection there. And basically, you take that with you into the studio and keep going. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't like showing up. So it doesn't really matter either, you know, if one shows up on a session for someone who they don't know, okay, you show up to plan someone's session and, and make it happen. But uh, we, we'd had a connection because of meeting and then jamming, jamming in New York and then jamming out in L.A. So by the time we got to the studio, we had an idea what everyone could do. Okay, what are the songs? Okay, here's the verse, here's the chorus, so play the stuff down, and, 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 it, and it meshed. So opposed to some of his later records, where he plays all the instruments and does everything himself. How much of that of Rump do you think was recorded with all the musicians together versus overdubs? All of it. They were all every. We went in there within a week, if I remember, within a week or two. We'd do one to one song, two songs a day, or go and redo them again, something again if it wasn't right. But we'd go in there and play the stuff down, and within a few hours. We'd have a track, then he'd sit down and put guitars, you know, overdub some guitars, and then sit there and put his vocals on. So most of all those tracks were just playing live in the studio. Yeah, it's pretty much we, we got into, we didn't rehearse beforehand, before we went to the studio. We got in the studio, we Todd played through the song for us once or twice, just to show us the song. We just tackled it that way. We just uh, affixed our personalities to it. All right, you're listening to RunganRadio.com. We are reviewing the album Runt, Todd Rugren's first solo album. Okay, we're still into recording, and here's a story I bet a lot of you don't know about. This is a 
pretty funny story from a funny guy, Tony Sells, about a bad situation that occurred during the recording of this album. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, uh, completely about that story, but I do know that, uh, and I, I'm forgetting which track it was, Todd was uh, fooling around with a tape machine and the tape snapped. Mm. And so he broke one of the, I mean, it was ruined. One of the songs was done. So it had to, it might have had to have been re-recorded or we spliced it together uh, mid-verse or, or bridge. You know, I, I'm not sure. but I'm, So I'm not sure which song it was, but I know that one of them was ruined. Mm. Were you there when that happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was It was a little devastating. I and mean, we just, <laughs> you know, anytime you spend time painting a picture, man, and somebody puts his fist, fist through it, it's sort of, you know, it doesn't, uh, nobody's too happy. So how did and, Todd react when, when that happened? Oh, he was, he got tears in his eyes. I mean, it was like, you know, we, we uh, you know, when you, you really feel great about something and, and all of a sudden it's, it's destroyed or, you know, something's, it's uh, damaged. I mean, it's uh, not a fun time. <laughs> you don't remember what song it was? No, I don't. Uh, but I, I just remember we, we looked at each other and went, oh, my God, you know, ugh. You yeah. Know. yeah, that's awful. Oh, it was, yeah, it's horrible. Todd and I walked down the street and had a burrito. I mean, <laughs> you know, we had to get out of the studio. You know, it, just, it really was uh, hurtful. Yeah, well, I'm sure you probably re-recorded for that album or for another one, you got to think. But Yeah. Very good stuff. All right, we'll finish the recording segment. We're going to listen to Indy Smart again telling us about it, what it was like working with Todd. The thing that's always interesting about working with Todd, it's just amazing to be there with him. Because, you know, he just, he can do anything, you know. And everybody's always been amazed, amazed like that. Great engineer, great songwriter, great singer. I mean, to him, it's like water running off the duck's back. He's just, you know, and it's always been like that, you know. But I, I do know this. When the falling out with Hunt and Tony didn't have anything to do where he didn't think that they were any were not as good or anything. It was something else, you know, and I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a judgment like they're not good enough to play with me or anything like that. Right. So even it, at even at that young age when he was doing run, you you saw all these things you just mentioned, these positive things. Oh yeah. No, no, no. He always Todd's always been head and shoulders above everybody and it just keeps getting wider. How about that from Indy Smart, Norman Smart, drummer, for some of Todd's songs. Very good stuff. All right, let's move on to more parts of the recording, but let's talk about some of the people that may have been around, some people involved in Todd's life at the time. One of them was Miss Christine, who many of you may know, Todd's girlfriend for a little while, who committed suicide at a very young age. Here's what Tony Sells had to say about Miss Christine. Well, Miss Christine was... Uh hanging with Todd. She was a strange bird. A nice a nice a nice girl. But uh very frail and a little little strange. I mean I you know, at that time in the sixties there was a lot of irresponsibility with drugs and lifestyle. Tony also mentions the GTOs, which is a group that Miss Christine was a part of. The only people that I recall having at the studio were the GTOs, which were Frank Zappa's girls, uh, girls together outrageously, a group of uh, groupies, in which uh, one of them was uh, Pamela DeBar, who uh, wrote the book I'm with the band, 
and I, I was in the book. I, I, she referred to me as the teen dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went, I went with Pamela for a while. I, she'd come home and say, oh, yeah, I was with Mick Jagger today, and our, I was with Warren Beatty or uh, Waylon Jennings and, uh, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> and I was 17 years old. I was very impressed, you know. <laughs> All right, the GTOs were hanging around a little bit. Tony left out somebody who said that was it, but according to Moody, there was another person that was around a little bit. The nice thing was that Tony Sales' girlfriend was Nancy, the woman who married Brian De Palma, Nancy Robocop, what was her name? Nancy Allen? Nancy Allen, that's her name. Okay. So she was Tony Sales' girlfriend when we had run, and it used to be around all the time. She went to my high school, Quintana School, for a young professional. So that was the high point of what, that, that Tony Sales had Nancy Allen for a girlfriend. <laughs> Sounds like Tony had a couple girls around at the time. Here's some more commentary from Tony about Paul Fishkin and Mr. Grossman. Uh, I don't remember his involvement with the recording other than he was uh, very close with Todd and uh, sort of acting as a, an assistant for Albert Grossman in management in, in, a, in some kind of capacity, as I, as I recall. The Grossman wasn't involved at all. Well, Grossman, yeah, Grossman was, was tight with Todd. I mean, he, he, uh, we'd go over to his home in, uh, Bearsville and, and Todd would tell him what he was going to do and what he wanted to do and whatever. And Albert was very supportive. He knew when he had a talent, you know. He was a good manager. All right. There we go. That's some of the recording. A big question when people look at Runt. There were two albums that used the word Runt. That's the first and second. Was Runt the name of a band? Was Runt the name used for Todd Rudgren as a nickname? Or was Runt the name of just the album for some reason? So it's hard to figure out even after talking to a few people about it. So I'm going to let you make your own decision on that. Apparently, the consensus for most of them was that it was a band. And they did do some shows. That apparently, it was about three. So we're going to hear a little bit about those. First up's Moogie. That's going to be followed by Hunt Sales. Then Tony sells, and then Moogie's going to tell us a little bit about a live performance, something Todd wanted to do for this Runt tour. All right, here we go. Is the album a group album or a Todd album? It was a Todd solo album. It wasn't a group album, but there was a band called Runt promoting it, but it was a Todd Rundgren solo album. It wasn't a group album. It, it, that, that Runt record was... At the time, it was his record. We were there to do our bit, you know, to play with him and, and back him up with plans to do to do some shows and, and to move on and do other things with him. And like I said earlier, uh, sometimes what sounds good, the reality, it changes. So um, it's just the way it goes. Uh, it's, you know, it was his trip. And I was aware of that at the time. It's not like it was it was not a band, though it was a uh it had a feeling of a band because of the involvement and, and the um the connection we had as friends and as musicians. Now did you think Runt was a band or the name of the album? I figured it was the band name. And I also knew it was the name of the album, but I it was we were calling it uh, the band Runt. When we did uh gigs we were going to be called runt i uh, see so did y'all get to do some gigs we did uh, a few i think it might have been todd todd Rundgren's runt you know mm -hmm. 
And, uh, yeah, we did, uh, some gig, we did a gig at the bottom line in New York. We did, uh, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, there are only a couple, right? Yeah, the only couple that we did was Runt. Okay, so how did he decide if, if, if it was a band? You know, you had all these different people that performed on the album. Who, who consisted of this uh, band that played on these two shows? It was you and your brother. It was uh, Hunt and myself. I think it was Moogie Klingman on keyboards. Okay. You know, I think that was it. It was Moogie and Hunt and myself and Todd. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it, I believe. Todd had us paint all the instruments into vegetables. He turned the drums into an apple. He turned the organ into a holy Bible. He had us paint. We had to do it ourselves. He wasn't a star yet. We had to paint on on the organ, holy Bible. I don't know what the point was, but he just wanted to try something different, I guess, you know? This was for the, for the but, show. But, you know, the interesting thing about Todd in the first run at the Village Gate was Todd was a, he had never performed as a frontman before, and he wasn't very good. He just, you know, he, he was really shy. He couldn't really get his thing together. It took him between then and coming back with a few more uh, bands. Okay, so there you go. You make your decision on what you think Runt means and let me know. All right, we're going to move on until our final segment, which is about the breakup of this quote-unquote band Runt, or whoever it was, or whatever you want to call it, that was touring Todd Rundgren's Runt, however it goes. We're going to hear from Moogie first. The reason Runt died and then Todd was reborn is it was too early. It was too early for the Hunt brothers. It was too early for Todd. They didn't have enough grit under their fingers to, come, to really do it. And then they woodshedded, and Todd had Utopia, and Tony and Hunt had Tin Machine. Right. And eventually they both, you know, fulfilled their potentials. Right. Uh, just not when I was in Runt. It, it, it was so bad I had to quit and... I went to, I did my solo band, and then Todd took those guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's why Moogie left. Now we're going to find out why Hunt Sells left. According to the, this book about Todd, it, and I know you were 15 and your brother was 17 or 18, that yeah. you guys weren't real keen on the ballads. That wasn't your thing, and that's maybe part of the reason why you, all y'all didn't really stick around or, or want to be in a band with Todd. Is that uh, true? No. No? No. I thought some of the ballads, this is an opinion, some of it was a little schmaltzy and loungy, which is okay. You know what I mean? Sure. I think it's a matter of opinion. That ain't why we stuck around. Someone's a tortured artist, and um, I'm trying to put this, uh, how I can put this, have their moods, you know, and their problems. Wow. The same now as the same then. I don't whether it's the time of the month and they're on the rag or whatever. Thank you, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's fine. But uh, my world doesn't begin or end with anyone that I've played with or will work with, and that doesn't mean to diminish them any way, shape, or form. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's life before Todd, and there's life after Todd. So, um, like I said, I started playing at six years old. I've been in the game for a long time. I don't know what that makes me, but um, 
it was you know it was some of that experience working with him was was good. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I said, he's very talented. I've learned some things from working with him. I, I learned an awful lot. All right, that was Hunt Sales. And for our final conversation with some of the folks I interviewed, we're going to listen to Norman Smart one more time. And then we're going to come back, and I'll wrap it up, and then we'll start taking some calls. We just did it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was some major project or something. We just played music. Yeah. You understand? It was that we were all musicians and singers, and we just got together and played. And with Todd running the show, he would just get the best out of you and and put it all together, tell you what to do, and put it all together, and it ended up something good. Yeah, well, it was a good kid. So you were pleased with the album when it was released? Yeah. Well, I was always pleased with whatever Todd did. I mean, half the time I didn't understand what he was doing. <laughs> what do you mean I by mean, that? I, at, at, the, at first, you know what I mean? Later on, when the years went by, you know, it started making more sense. But Todd was an engineer before musicians started to be engineers. You understand? Sure. We we just played music. We never really understood what making a record was in, in, in the technical sense. But he always did. You know what I mean? And and uh, I think he taught thousands of people how to make records. I know I learned a lot about making records from Todd. I learned a lot about making records by working on that record. And working with Todd. I know Hunt and Tony learned a lot about making records from working with Todd. You can't work with him and not learn something. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, like a, he's like the world's best teacher. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 he's, he's really quite something. I mean, he, ought, he ought to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No question. They just, you know, that thing's a joke, but I don't think he cares about getting in it, really. Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't care about stuff like that. Yeah. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that review. You know, there's plenty of information available in the liner notes of Runt. If you don't have the CD, be sure to get you one. Or you can go to trconnection.com and join the forums and do a search for Runt liner notes, and you can read all the information about other people who are involved in the album. Then you can get the lyrics for all the songs and find out a little bit more about the album. Okay, you're listening to runtoradio.com. Live online talk radio for Todd fans. This is RunGreenRadio.com. Hi, everyone. This is Cruiser Mill. Doug is on his way. He will be calling in soon. Uh, if somebody in the chat room would please tell me whether I can be heard or not, I'd appreciate it because I, I don't know if I hit the right button. I don't know how to go live after a recorded show. Somebody say yay or nay. Hello. Okay, well, I'm just going to continue to talk. Okay, someone was asking about Toddleheads, and if you've if you have not received your Toddlehead that was ordered from Rundgren Radio by Friday this week, then you need to contact Doug at uh, the re- the the email is rundgrenradio at earthlink.com. 
Okay, good. You guys can hear me. All right, now listen, don't don't email him until Friday because he's been shipping these in, in little batches over the last week or so. So hopefully yours is on its way if you don't have it already. I hope they look good. All right. Oh, my goodness, we have a call. Oh, we've got a bunch of callers. Okay, hang on just a second. I'm going to pull up area code 205. And Better. Who is, who's 205? You know who 205 is. Come on. Uh, how you doing, Doug? What's up? Telling people not to bother you until Friday about the title heads. That's right. Toddleheads are out the door. That's where I've been tonight. I took uh, took care of some international shipments. I've got – if you're international and somehow you're listening to this and you ordered more than one, then yours will go out this weekend. And then uh, other than that, if yours are late, I've notified you. So if I have not notified you or you're not international, multiple buyer, then yours are on the way, out the door. Very good, very good. How exciting is that? Yeah, and actually I'm getting good reports. People are getting them in good shape. Had a couple of reports, you know, but uh, overall everybody's getting them intact and they look great and all that. And they're happy, so that's what we want. If you get a bad one, just let me know. We'll get you taken care of. Very good. There you go. Good. Hey, all listen, right. I've had one caller that's been holding for at least an hour, and I'm just real curious. i got to find out who it is. Mm. Let me Let me give it a try real quick. Hello, area code 201. Are you there? Yes. Who's this? My name is Dave. Wow, you've been holding a long time. That's okay. Okay. Well, what what do you know, Dave? Are we on? Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, I was just reading in uh, a Utopia tour program in 1977, um, and it had bios that each of the band members wrote, and it talked about... Uh, Todd talking about his mystification in 1972 that he wrote about in his biography. And I was wondering if you could uh, tell me what this mystification was in 1972 that Todd took place. And also, he wrote that the Utopia Road Tour concept started in 1972, yet uh, looking up the Todd tour dates, it didn't uh, on a website it said that uh, Really, Utopia tour dates actually started in 73, so it's kind of a two-part question. Wow, what a question. Uh, I can tell you in 72 that there was a Utopia Mark I show, which included the Sales Brothers, and they only did a few shows, and that's probably why they have listed it different. There may be talking about Mark II. Well, that's how we address them because they, you know, Utopia changed over the times, and ultimately, the one most people know about are Roger Chasm and Todd and Willie. But there were, you know, a couple other sets of them. So there was a show because it's actually available. You can get it from 1972 on some of the uh, BitTorrent sites that has Frog Labot, Hunt and Tony Sales, and Todd. And I'm not sure who else is in that, but uh, maybe it. And in David Mason, who co-wrote the Utopia theme. Yeah, David was in. Uh, I don't believe David was in. He, he may have been in Mark One. Do you know Mel? I do not know. Mm-mm. I think Dave Mason could have been in that one, and uh, he definitely was. Yeah, obviously in Utopia. So I have to say he was in that one because that was uh, they were doing Utopia theme, I believe. So um, yeah, that's uh, at 72 would, would definitely be correct. So I don't know what uh, report you were looking at. And, and the mystification question, I don't really know the answer, but 
um, there we do have some on Runner Radio too. We have some interviews with Todd from 1972 where he may be talking about that. But when you talk about you know Todd and, and mystification, it can, it can mean all kind of things. It could be mystified, broke down, and busted, or it could mean uh, uh, a masonry which he eventually looked into. Eastern philosophy. I mean, that could go all over the place. That'd be a whole show probably. But what's your what's your interpretation of that comment? Well, I know in interviews he's talked about uh, how he discovered psychedelics around that time. And you look at you know what I consider one of the most incredible artistic leaps of all time when you go from an album like Something Anything to an album like A Wizard or True Star. I mean, um, rarely has there been such a gigantic, incredible artistic leap that I can recall of any artist, excluding the Beatles, going from Rubber Soul Revolver to Sgt. Pepper's in the history of music, and it's just unbelievable. It still boggles my mind 35 years later, you know, the uh, incredible leap that he took and, you know, wh- how great both albums are, and I'm wondering if perhaps maybe his use of, of psychedelics or this, quote, mystification uh, is, is what he's talking about, because when you compare the two albums, I mean, uh, rarely has there been such a night and day kind of album jump by an artist like those two records. Sure. Well, I think the, uh, no question with the, a watch, it's been publicly documented, and Todd said it himself in several interviews that that was psychedelic. Uh, <laughs> or, or psychedelic drugs did have a role in that album without question. I think Moogie's even talked about that a little bit on some of the shows here. We've had Moogie Klingman on, who was around at that time as well. So definitely with the twist, not with the twist, a watch, um, Wizard of True Star, there was, you know, that may be exactly what he's talking about with the mystification. I'm not really sure, but no question that's when Todd was experimenting with some drugs and, you know, has given that credit for some of the music. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. But that's not, uh, you know, we got some people that really probably know a lot more about that than, of course, I would. And uh, we're going to do eventually an album review on A Wizard of True Star. I think Bill Bricker was supposed to do that one. And he's, uh, you know, very well versed back in those times as well, and helped out with the book. And you mentioned that um, you read that Billy James book. Is that what you were talking about? I've, I've not read the book, no. But uh, um, I've seen Todd about 35 times. The first time okay. in 1976 uh, on the day of the bicentennial, July 4th, 1976, and uh, the most recent uh, time with the Joe Jackson tour and everything. Oh, yeah. Now, so you haven't seen him since the Joe Jackson? I've not seen him since the Joe Jackson. Um, actually, I saw him at the Delacorte Theater in uh, New York City, an outdoor theater in Central Park, and uh, it was just absolutely fantastic. But I've not seen him uh, since then, although most probably I'm going to go either in Asbury Park, New Jersey, or in uh, Long Island to see the uh, It Was 40 Years Ago Today uh, tour, which I'm uh, looking forward to. Well, if you're in that area, the Todd's going to be doing some of his arena show at the blender back to back the 27th and 28th of december which i would highly recommend uh that's that's um uh, the sergeant pepper course would be beatles todd's going to do about three of his own songs at those shows but of course his own uh tour he does all his own songs except for a couple of covers and uh that's really good stuff you'd really enjoy it if you've seen him 35 times it's it's uh it's always a treat right well my one regret was missing the liars tour um mm-hmm. i i missed that unfortunately he just did one show in New Jersey and one show in uh, um, New York City. And, uh, you know, that show I would have loved to have seen because uh, I heard great things about that. And 
I think that's Todd's best uh, solo record that he did probably since uh, ever part for the Tortured Artist Effect. Uh, just a fantastic mm-hmm. album, and I wish I'd, I I uh, really feel bad about missing that tour because that was, uh, from all accounts, a fantastic show. I don't know if you caught any of the Liars tour. Well, Dave, well, it's also available on DVD. Have you have you seen the DVD? Oh, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. If you go on eBay, you can find them or on Amazon. Actually, if you go to Amazon, uh, there's actually a link to Amazon if you're looking at your screen on the show for uh, one of the uh, run the run album. If you go there and then just search Todd Rundgren um, Liars or DVD, you'll find that DVD and it's reasonably priced and uh, it's the whole it's pretty much the whole show. I don't think they're missing anything. Maybe. He did mix it up and play a couple songs that aren't on the DVD at some of the shows, but uh, it's pretty much the whole thing. It's really nice. Hey, Dave. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you don't miss Todd coming through with the new arena stuff. Uh, I know he's playing in New York City the 26th and 27th of December, so try to catch it because uh, you will regret it if you miss that. So what <laughs> label is that going to come out on? Because his label that he put out Liars on – Sanctuary has now gone out of business. It's called Hi-Fi Records. Hi-Fi Records? Yep. It's an indie label, and it's part of a um, music publishing company. They have a real you know, clever name, music publishing company. But <laughs> Hi-Fi Records ultimately is who it is, and they just signed, not this had anything to do with Todd necessarily, other than they're in the same company, but Melinda Doolittle from uh, American Idol. Do you remember her by chance? you watch that show? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they've had um, uh, um, Tamboras on there. Uh, they have a few names, you know, and they own some catalogs too, as well, of some some uh, deceased musicians like Robert Johnson, who is, um, if you don't know who that is, he's a the blues musician. That Columbia yeah. Records released a Grammy Award-winning box set in the '90s of Robert Johnson. There you go. Yeah, Robert Johnson's going to have uh, – Todd is uh, under contract with Hi-Fi to do an EP featuring Robert Johnson music, and that's supposedly going to be out September 30th when his new album comes out, but I don't know how in the world he's going to pull that off, so that may be delayed, but he is supposed to be doing that at some point. And mm-hmm. September 30th is, is the release date for the actual CD and DVD. They did a DVD over in Colorado. But the um, digital, we can't figure out when the digital, nobody knows why it's not out yet. It should already be out, but it's just not. Mm-hmm. Driving everybody crazy. <laughs> so how did you find out about the show? Uh, just surfing the net, surfing the net. Yeah. And I've been listening on the archives to uh, a bunch of the shows that I've you know thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, the uh, interview with the Sales Brothers was, was absolutely terrific. And uh, Willie Wilcox's interview was good to hear what Willie was up to in Mexico. Um, which was great. Uh, a suggestion for a possible person to interview, uh, Todd produced an album by an artist named Steve Hillage that was released in mm-hmm. 1976 called L on Atlantic Records. And it's one of my three favorite Todd productions, along with the Remote Control album by The Tubes, and uh, vastly underrated, and finally released all these years after, finally came out on CD, the War Babies album by Daryl Hall and John Oates, which just came out this year, finally on CD. And then right, I, we got a uh, lead on. I actually got a lead yeah, about two days ago on maybe how to get in touch with Daryl Hall. And Steve Hillage has been on the hit list for a while. I haven't actually tried yet, but there's a 
a guy named Jim uh, Snyder that likes him a lot as well and has requested it. And several people have asked for him, so I appreciate your input on that. And I actually got an email today, which Mel hadn't even told you about this, uh, somebody that's friends with Mo Berg from The Pursuit of Happiness, and they're going to help me get him on the show. Oh, sweet. So we're going yeah, to keep moving on. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't, uh, I'm sure you've heard us talk about it, but you ought to check out trconnection.com. I do. And, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you uh, you probably got probably seen a lot of those people that are on there, some of the shows, and then of course the uh, the Grok too, the Yahoo group that EJ does. It's uh, just Runger and Hot Toddies is the best way. You search that on on Google and, and you'll find her website. She's got a lot of good stuff on that website too. But yeah, a good way to communicate and find out about the shows because Todd is going to be touring. Uh, you know, uh, he's going to Europe, of course, in November. We're hoping they do some dates in October. No word yet. And then, you know, December, you've got Maryland and, and New York. So who knows what else? Lots of good stuff. He's not done yet. <laughs> it's amazing, his yet. work ethic and, you know, how he still tours and does all these dates and everything and just, you know, gives plays his heart out and, you know, just puts on just a fantastic show. I mean, he's been literally touring now for, I don't think there's a year he's missed now since 1972 as far as touring. And um, it's just amazing how he still is able to go out there and just put on a great show and uh, uh, just, you know, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's good stuff. And you, we talked about that Billy James book. You can get that on Amazon as well if you do a search. That'll pull up. There's some of those used, and I don't know if they're new or not, but they may. And the second edition is supposed to be out any day now. They're on the last two chapters, I've been told, and they finally got the pictures they were looking for. And, uh, you know, they've done a lot to make it better than the first one. You know, people enjoyed the first one, but there were some issues that everybody's admitted. But it was uh, still a good read, and there was lots of information. So the second one should be out soon. And so lots of good stuff happening. the book or do any interviews for the book? Well, the story goes in the first one, Todd did not. I mean, they took some, some uh, words from different interviews and different reviews and stuff from Todd. But he was under contract apparently at that time to do a book, so he couldn't talk to them. And this book they have this book is going to be from seventy seven to eighty seven and I know they didn't talk to Todd for this particular one, but he does get a an opportunity to look at the book before they publish it and edit anything he wants as far as you know if he wants to take out something or he doesn't believe something's true, so they do offer him that I do know that for sure and um so you know I don't know how much he's really ultimately involved with it, but it's pretty thorough research, and they talked to i think this one. The introduction, I think the last one was Roger Powell. This one may be Chasm, or maybe maybe I got it backwards. But, you know, one of the Utopia guys, I think, is going to do the forward and that type of thing. And uh, they talk to a lot of people. So that, That's fantastic. I yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, hey, we appreciate you calling in. Sorry I can't answer your questions any better, but if you keep listening, we'll oh. get to it eventually. Somebody will call in and answer it, or we'll get somebody to do that uh, Wizard True Star review. We're hoping to do all the albums. It's just been kind of tough getting people pegged down because we we try to find people that were involved and get their feedback and that takes some time so healing i think maybe our next one we got our friend wendy working on that she's probably the closest of everybody that's working on it. and that's going to be i gotta think a very interesting show uh kevin elman is reachable he works as a financial consultant in bergen county new jersey he was the drummer on uh the Todd album, the drummer on the first Todd Rungren's Utopia album, if you're looking also for a potential guest to talk about those early days. Uh, yeah, he would be awesome. As, uh, I think, matter of fact, the, the, uh, Billy James, the author of that book, the Todd books that we're talking about, is supposed to be helping me get 
Kevin Elman and I think Ralph just Chuck Google Kevin Elman financial consultant Bergen County New Jersey and and his number will pop up perfect yeah we'd love to have him I'll tell you if you happen to know Siegler's one we're having trouble tracking down if anybody has information shoot us an email at Radio, earthling.net or call or in the chat room or whatever we'd love to have him on as well so yeah we've got a long list believe it or not of um of potential and some some great shows we can do and just keep on making history doing this stuff. So that's John the plan. Sigler, you mean, I'm sorry, I was going to say, sorry. John Sigler, you can reach through Hall & Oates Management. Brian Doyle uh, at Hall & Oates Management would know his whereabouts because John played for uh, uh, Hall & Oates for many years after leaving Utopia, and I believe he's still in contact with those folks. Perfect. All right, man, you you a uh, good piece of information to have around here. Helpful. We like that. Excellent. Call in some more. Dave, I am so sorry that you had to hold for so long. Oh, no, no. I was thoroughly enjoying listening to the whole thing. So Well, uh, normally the shows are, are usually live with a guest, but tonight the guests had to, to uh, reschedule um, just in the last couple of days. So we were running a pre-taped show, so that's that's why that. I couldn't stop it to say, okay, 201, what did you need? Oh, no problem. And where, where are you guys located? I'm in, I'm in Dallas. Oh, you're in Dallas? I'm in, yeah. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, fantastic. We're all over the place. But we, uh, Rachel and Danny had a, a family emergency, had to go out of town, so they canceled on us. Rachel uh, has done a lot of, I don't know, I'd call them outrageous, fun outfits, whatever you call them, when Todd toured with the new cars and does some of the tubes outfits, including when they performed at the Hall of Fame, Prairie's outfit. She's got a website, it's Deep Blue Sea, with, it's the letter C, not S-E-A, deepbluesea.com. And uh, her dad's Robert Culp, the actor. But Danny was with Todd for five years on the road doing uh, some merch and some other design for him. He was responsible for some of the photography on Back to the Bars and some other albums. And He was promising us some Todd Road stories, so that was going to be fun. So we're going to reschedule him for later. And then we, we booked uh, Rachel Hayden today. For the 19th of this month, she's the current bass player touring with Todd, and everybody that's met her and everybody's seen the show loves her, so that's going to be a really good show. And next week, next Tuesday night at 8.30 uh, Eastern, same time as this week, we got Ed McCarthy, who Billy James recommended. I've talked to Ed a little bit. He, he's been taking photos of Todd since the 80s, early mm-hmm. 80s, and uh, some of the album covers and stuff, and he's... He's got a ton of information and has done a lot of stuff that people are, don't know because probably don't, people don't even know who I'm talking about most likely. But trust me, he's got a, quite an impressive resume and it's going to be a very interesting show. So check that one out next week. And we'll just keep on keeping on. Well, great job. Keep up the fantastic work. I'll send you an email tonight so you have my contact information. And if I can help on the John Sigler thing or anything like that, I'll certainly try as well. Yeah, that'd be tremendous. I'll definitely um, respond. Shoot me an email. It'd be great. Runger Radio, Earthwind.net. Sounds great. Thank you for the time. Really enjoyed talking sure, to of you. Hey. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. All the best. Yes. All right, Shion. You know what, right, uh, Doug, I've actually got another caller that's been holding for a little while. Well, he's going to have some big shoes to fill. That was a good call. That was a good call. She, uh, yeah. Hey, hang on. Okay. 216, are you tired of waiting? No, but I'm not wearing any shoes either, so. It's oh, no, it's blue. It's blue. Yeah. <laughs> I know that accent anywhere. Uh-huh. How you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Good. 
Well, anyway, I was just out waiting for a pizza for everybody, but it doesn't look like the pizza guy's coming. Ooh, we were hungry. Counting on I know. Well, you guys no, actually, actually have... I was out taking the dogs for a walk, so I figured that I'd keep listening instead of, you know, bring, dragging out the whole computer with me. Ah, I got you. And you're calling in to listen through the listening line. I like that. A lot of people do that. We need to have some way they can identify that and say, all right, don't answer. Just let me listen. Or did you want to say something? <laughs> oh, no, it's not a big deal. So how's things going? I really appreciate all the work you guys are doing. Thanks. Things are going great. Can't ask for better. As a matter of fact, our one-year anniversary is coming up this month, and so we're going to try to do something a little special, maybe have a nice little show. It's at the end of the month. Believe it or not, we've been around a year. A and, year? Uh, it think, seems like yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Doesn't it? It really does. And people thought we were going to run out of guests, and here we are talking about several more tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I totally did. I, you, you, you definitely have done your research. We we try to hum down. That's part of the fun is the chase. So do you, did you know the answer to any of those questions just uh we just got asked about the 1972 mysticism comment, etc. No, you know I had the 1977 pro, uh, uh, whatever it is, the, the uh, promo guide or whatever for the Rot tour, you know, and I didn't mm-hmm. see Todd saying anything about that on it, but you know. I don't well, know I'm about mystical journeys, except that he rode a moped or whatever through India, you know, years ago. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was about well, it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of that and I know that Chasm's doing the liner notes, I know, for the next edition to... Uh, okay, it is Chasm. Yeah, Roger did the first one, right? I believe so. I read it, but hell, that's already lost, in, lost yeah, I gave my... information in my brain, you know. I gave my copy to Nick Nichols over at Todd Stock and uh, trying to get Billy James somebody to send me another one because I really liked having it as a reference and also, to, you know, I was just about oh, also, finished with it. But Also, if, if if people are still looking for a copy of it, I know Overstock.com has them. Oh, is that really? Right? Oh, oh, great. They're, they're reasonably priced. I mean, I got mine, I don't know, about six months ago from them. So. Hmm. Very good. I like it. Good tip, Overstock.com. Hey, listen, yeah, you, we're only you don't mind getting bombarded company. by all their emails, you know, it's it's a great mm-hmm. little company to deal with. Yeah, gotcha. Now we're about to end. Is that the deal? Uh, well, yes, yeah, no. I just want to tell tell everybody in the last ten seconds. Next week's guest is Ed McCarthy, Tuesday night, eight thirty Eastern time. Longtime photographer. Do tune in. Okay, now we're off the air. All well, right. We can continue oh. talking. Great. Well, I, I can talk I, about other things. <laughs> I'm going to try to change. I'm going to see if I can change that. Yeah, okay. Well, shoot. I'd sit for 90 minutes because I didn't think we'd keep going. Yeah. All right, Lee, what else you got? Oh, nothing, really. <laughs> you going to see any Sgt. Pepper shows, Lou? Um, no, there's nothing around Ohio that, you know, I can really get to, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. So. Well, there's mm-hmm. nothing. there's nothing near Texas either. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm a poor person. I just can't travel everywhere. <laughs> travel does not is not cheap anymore. That's for sure. What if we provided I, pizza? I did see the yeah, I did see the walk down Abbey Road thing a few years back. That was excellent. Nice. Did you like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really oh. great. I mean, uh, that Wilson girl, she could really sing. And... Yeah, I saw her last night actually in Atlanta. The, the heart. Concert oh, yeah. and she's amazing. I mean, she it's like it's almost just like 
for the rest of us, just the way we talk, you know, just talking. She just busted out that voice, and it's the same every time, and it's money. She's never bad. Well, you, should uh, hear her, you should hear her sing, Maybe I'm Amazed. Oh, yeah, I bet. That's she did some... Uh, it was outrageous. She did some Who last night and little Led Zeppelin. She was she was acing it, but uh, what's interesting is... I don't know what she was thinking. It was about 100 degrees outside. It was a, at a amphitheater, and she had on a black dress covered by a velvet long sleeve, long robe. And I said, she's oh got to be burning up, man. It was brutal. I got to see Cheap Tricks. I got to see Tom Peterson out there who's called into the show one time. Yeah, it was good good stuff in Journey. I like that. Uh, not my favorite band or anything, but I just love that story of their lead singer. They found this kid on YouTube from the Philippines. Yeah, and he yeah. sounds just like Steve Perry, and he's got a lot of energy, and it's, you know, it's a fun show. Good yeah, he stuff. just nails it. Hey, does what? he speak English? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he very well. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he got a, you can tell a little bit of his accent sometimes. Uh, yeah. um, every now and then he'll use a, a D instead of a T, you know, a couple things like that. But it, you know, when he's singing, you don't know it. You think you're listening. You close your eyes, you think you're Steve Perry. It's amazing. Yeah. I heard, yeah, too, exactly. that... Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, of course, we're just Todd Chubb, but let's just keep on moving with a little music here. I also heard that Boston has a new singer that sounds like their original singer, that they some the guy's daughter sent a tape to the guitarist, and they called him in and hired him on the spot, and apparently he sounds just like the Boston singer, which if you had to say two bands that would be hard to replace their singers, Journey and Boston would be it. Those guys have such unique voices, but here you go. It happens. Small world, right? Oh, yeah, well, anything can happen in rock and roll, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> That's it. But uh, speaking of the Sgt. Like Peppers. Rockstar. Who? Just like in that movie Rockstar. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly yeah, what exactly. it's like. Exactly. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. So uh, I am tempted I mean, who, to who go to Sgt. Ozzy could live without Black Sabbath, I mean. That's true. Yeah, that would be another voice that would be hard to, to, to imitate, I would guess. Yeah. That's a unique voice. I love that voice, as a matter of fact. So I'm thinking about going to Sergeant Pepper's deal in Vegas. So if anybody's listening to the archive and you're thinking about going to that, shoot me an email. I'd like to meet you, and I'd like you to talk me into going. But it's Labor Day weekend on that Friday night, so what a perfect time to go to Vegas. So anyway, yeah. if anybody's out there, if you're going, and let me know. And there's a tube show the next night that Prairie's playing in. Oh, yeah, which would be fun. Double whammy. Yeah. Double whammy. I wish Michelle was still playing with him. <laughs> she might, might be there and might get up and dance. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? All right. So what are the questions that we have in the chat room? Know anything? Um, everyone's saying goodnight pretty okay. much. And it, and yeah. don't have any callers. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, party poopers. Party yeah. poopers. What's on the well, pizza? We went off line. Blue? Yes. Yes, Mel? What is on the pizza tonight? Oh, hell, everything. Whatever you want. <laughs> okay. What would you like? Just save me what's a pizza. Fav- I don't care. What's your favorite kind of pizza? I'm I, I'm a pizza-holic, so it doesn't really matter to me. And, and don't say pineapple, because that's not pizza. No, that's not. <laughs> that's the Hawaiian pizza you're talking about, right? Canadian bacon and pineapple, that's bizarre. It's good, though, but it's not pizza. You're right. So you got thin crust or thick crust? Oh, thick crust. Yeah. 
Mel? Oh, me? Yeah, um, thin or thin crust. Yeah, Mel, we're talking to you. Oh, I, I kind of like thin crust except when I'm in Chicago, and then I go for the deep dish stuff. Yeah, I got you. Makes sense. Very good, very good. All right, yeah. so there was no other oh, no, things I've, that people need. I found a decent pizza place in Cleveland in years, so. Mm. That's too bad. Yeah. That is too bad because that is one of my favorite foods for show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. I mean, all we have are, you know, major chains now, you know, and a few locals that I really don't care for, so. Well. <laughs> yeah, well. That pizza is better than no pizza, I guess. I'll do in a pinch. Lou, you're what so kind of, entertaining. Lou, what huh? kind of dogs are you walking? Well, let's see. I was walking a wiener dog and a bearded collie, and then I oh. let out the shepherd rot mix. Yes, I oh. have three dogs. Three. Yes, and three. then I have two. Then I have two parrots. <laughs> Awesome. There, on a TR connection, if you go into general uh, discussion mm-hmm. on the bottom mm-hmm. and look up uh, Let's Talk About Cats and Dogs, you'll see pictures of my new parrot. Oh, yeah? Which is an African gray, and his name's Smokey. Very nice. You know, that's a thread I've never, ever looked at. I'll have to check it out. Oh, you have to check them out. I'm going to put up some more pictures, too. Nobody seems to be commenting on them, but I'm used to that. Nobody ever comments. We'll go in there and say something. Yeah, there you go. Now, do they, you let them loose and fire on the house every now and then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I just got to keep the dogs separated from the birds, and that's... Uh, <laughs> that's probably a good idea, especially that Rottweiler Shepherd mix. Yeah. All right, that, good that deal. One, that one I'm not as worried about as the little wiener dog. I mean, that thing, yeah. you know... They're 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 bred to attack you know little animals anyway so mm. yuck <laughs> don't need no chicken tank out of that dog's mouth there you go all right cruiser mail Lou yep. time for Mr Ford to go eat some what are you gonna eat depart <laughs> oh you don't want to you'll be jealous oh okay well, well what are you having come on let's hear it. I've got some leftover. My brother goes to Washington, D.C. to work a lot, and he picked up some Baltimore crab cakes on his way home. Now we know some. why you're about that. Well, they are, they are unbelievable had, good. I had stuffed peppers tonight. <laughs> if, you have, if you like seafood and crab cakes, there's nothing even close to comparable to Baltimore crab cakes from places like G&M and Timbuktu. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Maybe, because I've never had a crab cake that I like, so... Yeah, you got to try one of these. It's just uh, uh, 95% crab. It's unbelievable. Really good stuff. So I love crab. I'm going to go eat that. Well, I think I'm going to play a song just because it's already uploaded and I want to hear it. What is it? I'm not telling. You'll figure it out. Love it up. up. All right. (laughs) I'll put it on mute and listen. You guys have a good one. All right. Talk to you next week. Next Tuesday, Ed McCarthy. Don't miss it. All right, bye-bye. All right. Well, that was easy. Okay, so now we got rid of Doug. Um, Lou, you want to listen to a song? Sure, why not? Okay. All right, everybody tune in next Tuesday for Ed McCarthy. And check the TR Connection for tour dates for Todd with the uh, 40 Years Ago Today show, which will be starting up. I think on the 15th of August and run through the end of that of this month, okay? 
Everybody have a great week, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you.